Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. We've got to talk about Gone Girl because everyone else is, but I must tell you, neither one of us thought much of it. As you all know, my wife, Amy Elliott Dunn, disappeared three days ago. I had nothing to do with the disappearance of my wife. I have nothing to hide. Okay, so let's start with, did you read the book? I listened to the audiobook. So for my personal experience, I have a hard time figuring out where the performance of the audiobook reader ends and the book begins. But I thoroughly enjoyed the audiobook. Read for you by Kirby Hayborn and Julia Whalen. When I think of my wife, I always think of her head. She had what the Victorians would call a finely shaped head. You could imagine the skull quite easily. I'd know her head anywhere. Okay, I did not enjoy the book. And you read the book book. I did. Old school. Yeah. Well, I did it actually for a book group. Oh. Yeah, which meant I read it two days before in a hurried fashion. So I buzzed through the book. There was one thing about the book that did disturb me because it wasn't true to the genius of her character. was the fact that two-thirds of the way through the book, she lost all her money. Right, but also she didn't have to lose her money. The plot would have been equally rich if that had been part of her plan all along was to go back to this guy who she'd kept in touch with. And if the only reason she went back to him is because she lost her money, then why had she kept in touch with him all these years anyway? Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you. I mean, like, it, she, they didn't need to add that. And I felt there were a lot of things they didn't need to add. Like, that whole time where she met that girl, you know, at the motel and stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't know what she added to anything. When I read the book, I thought the characters were very well drawn. And you felt that the characters almost genetically altered the DNA of one another. So I felt like they were having an effect on each other of huge proportion, which I think was completely missing from the movie. When I went to see the movie, um, I was confused as to where it was supposed to take place. Even though I had read the book, mm-hmm. I thought, did I miss something that was supposed to establish Missouri, that we're in Missouri? But I had to really think about it. Well, the other thing is the, the, the home that they were in in the movie was the wrong home, by the way. Yes. Yeah, that was Scott mm-hmm. Peterson's home. It was not, you know, we have to start, we ha- I have to interject here that I feel very strongly that this entire book, and I, I, I did check, I think it was written after Scott Peterson, um, it is that story. It just has a different ending, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it has a different plot twist, but the truth right. is, it is Scott Peterson. All I'm trying to do is be nice to the people who are volunteering to help find Amy. Just, you know, Ben, I'm so sorry, but really, you know, he just, he is not a nice enough guy to play those kinds of roles. You know, he was wrong in Argo. He was wrong in this, you know. Well, it's very interesting that you bring up Argo because I think I've enjoyed Ben Affleck in many movies. And I was thinking about this. And if you were to ask me the scenes that I could recall quickly that best depict friendship, Two movies with Ben Affleck would quickly come to mind. I loved him in Goodwill Hunting. Okay, yes. And you know, for example, well, and they are real friends, so it and they are real friends, and that it. really came across that scene where Ben Affleck and the others drive up to Matt Damon's house, and they hope that he's not there, and he's gone to find a better future for himself. I loved that scene where he told Matt Damon, "The best part of my day is driving up to your door and hoping that you're not there." Of course, with a wonderful Massachusetts accent. The other would be The Town that he directed. That scene with Jeremy great Renner, movie. a great, a great movie. movie. And so um, I'm not sure I would have cast Ben Affleck in this movie, but to be fair, I don't think the characters were well drawn. So the actors, um, many of whom I find excellent, had so little to work with, in my opinion, compared to the book where the characters were so richly drawn. I will practice believing my husband loves me, but I could be wrong. 
we talked about Natalie Portman wanted that role. Mm-hmm. Who's the other woman? Who, Emily uh, Blunt was Emily considered. Emily Blunt was considered. Mm-hmm. And he went with a much lesser known name draw with the woman lead. And But, but I can mm-hmm. only think that he went to Ben Affleck because... You know, Ben Affleck's a draw at the, at the box office that you can't beat. Well, two things there. One is I've liked Rosamund Pike, who was the star, in other things. So I thought she was like great what? in Pride and Prejudice. She was the older sister. And then very no, different. She yes, she was. Wait, wait, wait. She's the, the one old... with Kira Knightley. Pride and Prejudice. She is, oh my yes, god, that was her. I keep, yes. I've seen her a million times. Yes, like, you Where have. do I know her from? I love and, her there. And did you see an education? Yeah, yes, she was the blonde, um, you know, brainless girlfriend that was constantly going out on the town, which was a completely different role from Pride and Prejudice. I think right. she's enormously talented. I did not see her in Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise. I saw her on a talk show about the movie, and she seemed very likable. So I think she was a great choice. Um, I think they gave her very little to work with. Um, oh, and I think she was a great choice. Mm-hmm. I just think that he was such a bad choice that it was sort of funny that they made the right choice with her. Now, who could have played it better? Well, it's interesting because I can't even picture that until I fix the it, underlying it, because I think the screenplay really had some fatal flaws. And I'm going to say this in defense of Ben Affleck. I think Ben Affleck should have directed the movie because the movies that I've seen that Ben Affleck has directed, I think he is terrific at maintaining tension. So, for example, The Town. My criticism was you can't do both. You know, you just can't. Well, it's interesting because a lot of times I think some of my favorite movies are written and directed by the same person. It's disrespectful. it, it, It depends because I think there can also be a unity of vision where you come up with a story and you direct it and you don't have to explain to somebody else so mm-hmm. um, you point, know point um, well taken. Um, but, but, but I do think that writers and directors are such huge jobs in a given mm-hmm. movie that to do both of them disrespects the job well what um, I will say here is whereas I, I enjoyed the book um, I don't think she was the best person to write the screenplay yeah, obviously yeah. she has a lot of gifts to have written a book that had such a huge following and I think she did such a good job there but I don't think that she took the cinematic parts from the book mm-hmm. and made a movie I think she stuck to plot contrivances which I don't think were visual and it came out a much weaker movie without a body without a murder weapon they're all Um, So, for example, with Argo, which was based on a real story, I knew how that story ended, and yet I was on the edge of my seat watching Argo, which is not um, the genre I would have been drawn to. No, but he never carried off in Argo the ability to, to have done what was done. He is not that guy. But didn't you still wonder if they were going to make it on the plane, if they were going to get out alive? Yeah, if the but never with him leading them. They shouldn't have. It should never. They should never. You know, we'll have to debate Argo. Another I enjoyed time. him in Argo more than I did in Gone Girl, and I'll tell you why. And I know this is going to sound wrong, and I'm just going to put it out there. I have found Ben Affleck um, entertaining and attractive in other roles. I have. Goodwill Hunting, I thought the he town, was great. Amazing, amazing. The town, but he, I thought he but was great. But can I just say, it's also very self-serving. He's, you know, he's the guy in the town who was better than all the townies that he keeps telling the world that he is. Well, the town, I still think the weakness there was, I'm not sure the love interest was believable. Yeah, well, you know, she meets him on a laundry map, besides the fact that he's got great stomach definition. What really draws her to she him? She met him at the, at, when, when they went in. She met him at the bank robbery. Oh, that she met him at the... But did she know it was him? Wasn't he wearing no, a mask? No, he never knew. Yeah, he was wearing a mask. He knew she... What are you doing? It's, I, it's so important. Is that like the, oh my God, the crux yeah. of the movie? I've already forgotten yeah, it. Yeah. But I remember the chin-ups. Yeah. Um, but in Gone Girl... Um, <laughs> I think they pumped him up too much. It was almost visually distracting 
the size of his biceps. It was making his hands look small. No, Visually, no, wait, wait, I think it was he, an they error. They asked him that on, on uh, interviews. Oh, have and they? the problem is he was getting I'm ready for I'm not the Batman. only superficial one. No, no. He got the role uh, of Batman. Isn't it Batman? It's Batman. Uh, yes, yeah, it he's going to be Batman. Yeah. And he's been pumping up, so he can't unpump just to, run, to finish Gondo. But I think it was visually distracting because... I never noticed it. Oh, it totally... He was like this presence lurking over the movie, visually, huh. for me. And... Um, it's funny because if you look at the poster, and I always think the poster is a good thing to go to when they want to sum up the storyline in one visual. Who do they have on the poster? The one that she, I've seen. I know. She's in the back where it says missing, and he's in the fore, foreground. See, the poster that I've seen, and that's a more interesting poster to me, but the one that I've seen that's on IMDb is Ben Affleck alone with his back to the audience. To me, it almost seemed like a parody, like he's looking for... Instead of gone girl, gone tension. Well, he, he, the, the one I've seen that I, I haven't, uh, that I've seen everywhere else, like on Bandango and everything, everything else, he's staring out at the audience almost in a menacing way, which is a joke. Mm-hmm. And she's behind, she's behind, you know, the missing poster of sweet little person is behind it. It's almost which like is interesting the because either of, way, Ben Affleck by himself or Rosamund Pike behind Ben Affleck, they're asking him to carry the movie. And I think that was an unfair burden to place on him because what would have been much more interesting is to see those two characters interact with each other. Mm-hmm. I never touched her. Um, instead, well, that's the other thing that's totally missing. Like, you can't just have it be three sex scenes and then they part. And you know, there has that was to be, not believable yeah, to no, me. Totally there was not, no totally sexual not. chemistry. Totally and again, not. not necessarily their fault, but they right. gave them so little to work with that I thought, if you're going to um, anchor a very long movie, I mean, wasn't it two and a half hours or it felt like two and a half hours? In the relationship between these two people and their dynamic, you've got to make it believable where they are so drawn to each other that you watch it unravel and that's interesting. They didn't explore that the same way they didn't explore the characters at all. And even the proposal where they first get together, to me, was it was crass, it was unromantic, yeah, it, it was had not, no sexual yeah, chemistry, it was, terrible, it was wrong. Terrible. The best relationship mm-hmm. in the movie is he with his sister. Well, and it's interesting. My favorite character was the female policewoman. Sam, you got friends we can talk to? No, not really. You don't know if she has friends, you don't know what she does all day, and you don't know your wife's blood type. I thought she was the best character. But he is better, again, which made me think Ben Affleck has done a great job of uh, representing friendship. There were He had no friends in this movie. He, he had, had a relationship, relationship with, with his, his sister. sister. Now, I think she's his twin. Mm-hmm. I can't remember yes. from the book. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that means there's a connection you cannot break in, mm-hmm. a, in a twin relationship. Whoever took her is bound to bring her back. We are all scared, but we are all here now but they didn't wrap it up. They don't wrap up anything. They didn't wrap up the parents. They didn't wrap up anything. And they didn't um, delve into that um, representation of those characters to begin with. So, for example, in the book, one of the things that I thought was so well done was the role of his father, where his father is in a home, he's suffering from dementia, he's got something like Tourette's, and he seems to be a very vile man. And there is that moment where the Ben Affleck character words fall out of his mouth that is as though his father were speaking. And he's got to come to grips with the fact of, have I become my father? Have I become this monster? And in the movie, there's a scene where the father goes missing. There's a scene where he picks him up at the police station and drives him home. And then the father, he's as gone as the girl. The father's gone. Her parents, again... Yeah, well, well, that's what I'm saying. There are way too many holes. And maybe that's because Mm -hmm. she hasn't done screenwriting and she doesn't know about the arcs and what you know you know i mean something was wrong with that picture and it would be interesting to find out the real story behind how she got that job mm-hmm. so but i have to say i enjoyed going i enjoyed watching it and again poorly edited they have got mm. to learn 
to cut it down to an hour and a half. They have mm. to. That extra 20 minutes in every film thus far, other than Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> is, just doesn't work. You know, right. you've got to cut it down. Mm. And it was way too much of looking for her in all the wrong places. And not done in an intriguing way. No. I'm hoping you can tell me what this means. I saw the Amy's treasure hunt. A mystery slash thriller is one of these genres that I think is challenging to do as a movie um, for a variety of reasons. One of which is in the typical gripping movie plot, um, you always have the ticking time bomb. So you've got literally a ticking bomb that needs to be detonated. You have a dance performance where you need to learn your dance in one week. You have something where you have 24 hours to get a task done. When somebody goes missing and you see their clock, it's going the opposite way. So it's becoming more and more diffuse where you saw the super titles going one day missing, two days missing, three days missing, not making me feel like I'm on the edge of my seat because I think how many more days is she going to go missing? And yet um, it's a genre that's been handled very well on TV, both here and the BBC. And perhaps it's because viewers know that in one hour, 44 minutes without the commercials, you're going to have to wrap up this mystery. But I was thinking about this, and I think one of the things that would have added perhaps more tension to the screenplay is if you had left solving a mystery in the hands of a detective who we want to watch. Well, exactly. You and know, that's which is probably why you liked her, the woman detective. I liked her, and yet it was very confusing because you had Ben Affleck going off on his own, hiring Tyler Perry. Why don't they mop up the blood if they're trying to stage a crime scene? Whatever they found, I think it's safe to assume that it's very bad. Um, so it wasn't like watching Helen Mirren in Prime Suspect. It wasn't like watching Kenneth Branagh in Wallander. It was um, it was too diffuse. It was but disjointed. But also bringing, you know, making us wonder if he killed her or not for the first half of, I mean, which nobody did because I think most people who went to the movie read the book. Right. But if you if you pretend that they didn't, um, they, they left you wondering for half the movie and then you had to start all over again and it didn't work mm-hmm. either. I finally realized I am frightened of my own in other words, we should have known right away, or we should not have known until the very end. And yet, One or the other, but not both. I think that could have been really interesting. Um, for example, the pilot of the new TV show, The Affair. It spends the first half hour from his point of I've view, Dominic West. I think you would love okay. it. The second half hour from the woman's point of view. Mm-hmm. And it was riveting. It was really interesting to watch, and I think that could have been executed very well here in Gone Well, I, you know, I, I just think that, okay, now you find out she's alive and she's the bad guy, mm-hmm. okay, and then you have to start all over again. And frankly, you're exhausted, right. and you don't have enough energy to get through the second half of the movie. And right again, now. because the relationship when they first meet was not rooted um, for me, there was, again, no chemistry. There wasn't that, why are these two characters having such an effect exactly. on each other? Yeah. Um, she's already unhinged. So you don't see how did she get that way? What was it about his character that made her become unhinged? So I was thinking, for example, the classic Fatal Attraction. In that movie, Glenn Close does such a good job of, okay, why would the Michael Douglas character go for her when he's already married to Annie Archer? But when she becomes unhinged, it's as a consequence of his actions. And so when there's he, that... He never went for her. Um, and yet they, no, there they was had their affair. In time, no, they didn't have an affair. They had a sexual encounter. Oh. No, but that's, what they're, that, but that's exactly the difference, my friend. Is this you know, a presidential deposition? There okay, is, no, okay. there is. The difference is an affair is when you become emotionally involved with somebody. Fair enough. He, in that scene where Glenn Close says, um, how dare you? You can't just have me and discard me. I am now a monster in your presence. So I give her a lot of kudos because I believe in the original script they just wanted to make her purely a monster. And she said, no, you've got well, to... She fought 
for that ending. She, she fought, fought for, for the role. Yeah. I mean, she really fought for that yeah. role. She deserved the role. She executed it very well. Who, well. who was supposed to have that role? Everyone else was considered. They like didn't even who? want to like give her an audition. Um, uh, uh, Sean, who was the one in No Way Out? No Way Out? I don't remember it. The one with Kevin Costner? Oh. Um, Sean Young? Okay. I think she was the top choice. Huh. Kim Cattrall might have been considered. Michelle Pfeiffer might have been considered. Michelle I mean, Pfeiffer, maybe, yeah. Um, and yet, I think Glenn Close did such a good job of showing, okay, she's not purely crazy. There is um, a rationale to her to her actions. And now to the dead rabbit scene, the, <laughs> the rabbit on the stove. When I said before that Gone Girl did not adapt the book in a cinematic way, One of the scenes, which was repeated over and over again, that just drove me nuts because I thought this could have been really interesting, was the shed. So, for example, in the book where I thought that was very well done, again, showing her brilliance in being psychotic, is that she had thought out in terms of framing him so that he would get his comeuppance. I'm going to order all of these things okay, on the but, credit you know, card. That didn't even make sense, though, because his sister would have figured it out. There's she no would way have figured it out. Have, it, that would have taken months to do, and mm-hmm. supposedly in the movie anyway. They, I don't remember what the book said about it, but it was six months in the making. There's no way she would have gotten away with it. And yet visually it really didn't work in the movie because the shed, as you point out, was right next to the sister's it home. So you're thinking, okay, as viewers as opposed to readers, we see a shed next to the sister's home thinking, why hasn't she been in that shed? On top of that, they make the Ben Affleck character go back to the shed at least three times. When he opens it up the first time, we don't have a moment of seeing a bunny boiling on a stove, which is truly cinematic. We see a guy opening a shed. There's nothing hanging from the rafters. There's nothing that explodes. There's nothing that comes out and says, I'm the dead bunny. It's a bunch of sealed boxes with skis in them and golf clubs and appliances. When he keeps going back to the shed, I swear it's like the third time he brings his sister back to the shed. She opens the door, and again, we don't get an Alfred Hitchcock-like moment where there's blood coming out of shower. We get her opening the shed door. Why do you think, though, so you feel cinematically that's the cinematic issue? or I think it was visually, it didn't didn't work in the movie. Visually, it was very weak. The the sister opens the shed door. They see that wrapped gift. The sister then says, which is really redundant, oh, what's that? They bring it into the kitchen. So now you're removed from the shed. They unpack the gift, and it's that Punch and Judy doll. I mean, cinematically, it would have been much more interesting to have the bloody Punch and Judy, which was supposed to be the weapon in the movie, hanging from the rafters of the maybe, shed. Maybe, so yeah. when he opens that door, it is a scary moment, and right. he's confronted, and we see it. Yeah, but also, it was just too... Anybody, any detective would say it just all was too too. You know, like, mm-hmm. it was just too much, too soon, too late, too whatever. And also... Yeah. The other thing is when we I'm going to, have to go back to Scott Peterson because the girlfriend, his girlfriend, uh-huh. by the way, the press the press conference with the girlfriend was the exact same press conference as the girlfriend of Scott Peterson. So clearly, you know, this is not a new story; it's just a, a different take on an old story, which is what mm-hmm. you're saying too. Yeah. And even with that character with the girlfriend, it would have been more interesting to see her. And wonder, is she going to go to the press? But we don't. We see her with Ben Affleck. We see her giving a press conference. We don't see that moment of decision-making. It's not good enough for you. It's not even close. Absolutely not. Okay, so um, to wrap up, I cannot like a movie and still tell people to see it. And on this movie, I think it's worth going to. I think it's worth enjoying the process and seeing all all the things around it, especially if you've read the book. One thing that I I think I might reread the book. Don't bother. There's way too many books to read. I would never go back and see the movie. I think I would rather... would you recommend other people see it? No. I would say stay home and watch something marvelous on TV. For example, watch The Affair. Okay.